Okay, so we're on question 40. Now, a little bit of house cleaning this morning. We're going to have to start taking for the next maybe five sessions. We're going to have to take four questions because the way the questions are labeled out, we, we, we can't leave a question hanging. They go together. So, so for the next four or five, we're going to have to take four questions. We're going to start that this morning. So we're going to go through question 44, 43. Yeah, the last question we'll do will be 43. <clears throat> so, question 40. Is God pleased with those who love and obey Him? Now, we got a lot of reading to do this morning. I'm going to get y'all to help since we're doing an extra question. Um, Michael, would you read Exodus 20, verse 6? John, would you read 1 John 4, sure. 7 through 16? I'll read Proverbs. All right, we'll start with Proverbs 8, 17. This pretty much explicitly says what we're looking for. I love those who love me. And those who seek me diligently find me. So we find that very clearly right there that God loves those who love him. All right? Exodus. Uh, I'm about to read verse 5 and 6. Okay. All right. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. It's talking about uh, idols. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. So we see a difference there. And we see that God does hate and that he carries that on. And that um, for those that seek him, he loves them. For those that love him, he loves them. John? First John 4, 7 through 16. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has beheld God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have beheld and bear witness that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. And we have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. So, what we see here is that the fulfillment of all of the commandments is brought to us in love from God and that we know there are a lot of people who do a lot of nice things 
I think there's a whole chapter in Corinthians that talks about that. But if it's not in love, it's useless. It's religious noise. It's nothing. <clears throat> Jesus did what Jesus did. He left glory and came to us because of love. Love for the Father, love for the plan, love for the perfection of what they had, but then love for his reward, for, for us. <clears throat> Do we portray that kind of love in our daily activities? Do we ever portray that kind of love? Not, not, not phileo, the brotherly love. Not erotic love, the, the emotion of, a, of an intimate relationship, but, but agape. Do we give of ourselves so that others would benefit? That's, that's what we're talking about. That's what's being, being displayed here. That's the type of love that, that we should have for God. Do we do everything that we do so that he is glorified? Um, one of these, verse 10, in this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. We see that the first factor is that God loved us. We, we don't have the ability to seek him in as much as it's what he gives us in salvation. This is how that we know that we're born of God. This is what John is saying here. It's true love is born of God when we see that we can do these things and give of ourselves to others when it may hurt us. I think that's the test that's being brought out here. All right, so the next question, verse 40, or question 41, is God pleased with those who do not love and obey him? We'll start in Psalm 7. Most of these are short, so I'll just read them. Psalm 7. Verse 11. God is a righteous judge and a God who feels indignation every day. Oh boy. You can just look at the next verse. If a man does not repent, God will wet his sword. Oh boy. This is not something that he's playing with. I tried to have some conversations at work last week and it got real comical. They just thought it was a hoot, some of the stuff I believed. Oh, it was funny. Oh, a couple of them believe that, you know, they believe in God, but they also believe in reincarnation. Scripture has no bearing on them. Truth has no bearing on them. It's just whatever they want to believe. And so um, you, you think that this is kind of far off, but there are people that I work with that they're so confused about truth, you can't even begin to talk to them about it. And you see their life is in turmoil just talking to them. Their life, they've got, they've got no rest, they've got no peace. Their, their life is just unrest everywhere you go. 
And you see God's judgment upon them. You see it. Question. What? W-H-E-T? Or yes. W-H-E-T. So mm -hmm. sharp and destroy. Yes. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, Malachi. Last book of the Old Testament. verse 17 a little bit of sarcasm in this verse you have wearied the Lord with your words but you say how have we wearied him by saying everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord and he delights in them or by asking where is the God of justice? Uh, this verse can be confusing. Everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord. I, I, I think there's a sense in which we're there in this, that, in this world today. There are people going around doing whatever they want to, and people are saying, well, that's God. That's the way he, he just wants us to be happy. Is that, is that an accurate understanding of this, Jason? Yeah, I think it, I mean, it's saying, they are asking, in what way do we weary them? And he's saying, you weary them in this way. Yeah. By saying everybody that's good. Everybody that's good is evil. Yeah, everybody that's evil is good. Evil, yeah, yeah. Well, I think your, your point of that out in Malachi 3, 17. Oh, yeah, yeah, just having that conversation with them. Yeah, yeah, sure, right. Um, and, and, they, and they believe that they're good because they believe in God or a higher power or something bigger than me. That, I mean, they were even questioning the Bible. How do you know that that's the true Bible? How do you know that the books that are there are what belongs there? My aunt would go one step further. She believes the Bible is true. Mm -hmm. Sure, right. She wants to have her dabble in all of them. So I even back, I even. She finds her peace. And, and, and that, you know, she, we, talk, right. we talk pretty frequently about this kind of stuff because she goes, I like that you're spiritual. Yeah, that was the word that they used, spiritual. Uh -huh. and, well, and I'm spiritual. I, and we can talk about spiritual things. And I always go back to the Bible, which she acknowledges mine to me. Right. Yeah, there's a, um, uh, I, I guess it's a, it's it's more driven by their emotion than anything, and that's that's where this this verse comes from. Actually, I would say she she's driven by inner light. Inner light, which inner is her emotion. Inner light. Yeah, it's her emotion though. Yeah, well, it's her truth. It's her truth. Yeah, her truth. Yeah, it's not it's not based on anything other than her, which yes. is her emotion. Because ultimately, she's going to decide what's right and wrong. Now, we all do that to some degree, and if we think that we don't, we'll make ourselves liars. We'll call God a liar as well, because we all, we all do that to some degree. We all say, well, you shouldn't have done that, or that's it. We all do that. But when you start changing Scripture or disregarding Scripture for the sake of your own truth, 
Yeah, you're, yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's the ultimate idolatry. It is. Because you set up something else, yourself easily as, as a God. As the source of truth. Truth, yeah. God. And that's, yeah. What, that's what these people I was speaking to that I worked with, that's where they're at. Yeah. And I think that's kind of where we're at with this verse in Malachi. Uh, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord. They've made up their own mind. They've done their own. It's like the Pharisees. You know, Jesus had the harshest criticism for the Pharisees, and they were just doing evil. Also, but talk about the judges. They said that. Yeah, same way. Yes. Right, right. All right, so now we're over into Proverbs 6 16 through 19. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. God hates these things. And each and every one of us in here have done at least one of these things <laughs> multiple times, I'm sure. I know I have. Um, and, and struggle with it still. This is why repentance is the, the call to the gospel and not perfection. We, we can't. Repentance, when we see our sin, is how we turn back to Christ. We can't stop. These are the kind of passages too that cause people to want to do away with the Old Testament. Yeah, you know, unhitch from the Old Testament because they can't do it. Yeah, because the God they built up don't can't fit into this. Right. And he can't be like this. No, right. No, he's not that mean. Right. Yeah, he's not. Well, that he certainly mean. don't hate anything. Right. No. Sure. Sure. Yeah. <clears throat> and then one more verse in First uh, Corinthians. Sixteen. First Corinthians sixteen and verse twenty-two. If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. Our Lord come. It's all better. Yeah. God is angry with the wicked every day. What these scriptures have presented is is a picture of God. That is angry. And ultimately, because he's angry with sin, he is holy. Um, and like, like Jason said, there are people that they, don't, they, they can't... There are so-called Christians in churches who have big churches that, that they, they, they don't know this God. They can't preach this God. Because it doesn't line up with where they're at in their minds. Which is a problem because they've already made themselves the God and the one who makes truth. And so they can't preach this God. This God is foreign to them. Question 42. In this way, you mean having 
and what, the way, anger. The way God is pictured okay. in our scriptures that right. we're talking about. Yes, that He is anger, mm -hmm. or that He's just. Right. It makes us uncomfortable. For sure, because does. if He's just and He is angry at injustice or evil or wicked, <coughs> me. Then, and I can't measure up to the standard of the Ten Commandments or any commandment. Then I'm in trouble. Yeah. And if I'm in trouble, then I have to face that somebody actually can get me out of trouble. So, yeah, of course, that leads us right into the gospel. And that leads us into the gospel. Yeah. However, I don't really want that gospel because it's con confining. It, it is, and it's not, yes, it's not the way I would want it. And that's one thing I try to point out to people when I'm sharing that with them is if I were making this up, this wouldn't be the God that I would be making up. One that has that kind of control and power. One that has, I, I can't be in. Yeah, but what they don't realize is there's so much freedom oh, sure. that they have. They've constrained themselves. They think they're free and they are so bound. And we ourselves are actually free because we get the peace of God, yes. the love of God, the patience that God gives. We get the endurance and all that stuff that we don't have to fight anymore. Although I say that, but there is a fight, a spiritual battle. We have war with war within yeah. us. But we're still, we have a peace in the midst of that. Yeah. Yeah, and I, that's that 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 ultimately brings me to what Paul talks about that war within our members. You know, I don't like this. I don't like the way I am. But I see your truth, and God, I repent of the way that I am. I repent of my sin. There's that, that war that I think a lot of these people we're talking about don't have. They don't struggle with that, so they just make up a God where they don't have to feel that way. They don't have to struggle. And I think some of these pastors are that way. I'm sure they are. Discussing sure they are. Because they don't understand this truth. No, they don't. No, they don't see God for who he is. They can't. They, they don't, don't want to be. They don't want to be uh, negative, right? Well, judgmental. Yeah. Judgmental, and they don't. Right. Want, they don't want to. They think people. it'll be a much happier church. Sure. Know? If we don't, you know, oh, we yeah, don't want to talk about all that sin stuff. stuff. Right. So. That bloody God, you know, no, no, no. And we come in with our smiling faces and how we look so good and perfect on Sunday. And we walk out the door and we're just... A, just like the world. Like the devil. Just like the world. Yeah. And that we're struggling and all that stuff. You know, they don't want to acknowledge that that in itself is proving out our salvation they can't. every day. They can't. They can't see it. They have eyes to see and ears to hear, but they don't see, nor do they hear. And that's the problem. And the accuser, the devil, well, sure. just keeps throwing things. Sure, making us feel like we should be like them. Yeah. Well, they're they're getting along in life. They're not. They don't struggle like we do. Maybe that is no. It's not right. But it, it paints a pretty fun picture. But it it doesn't work. It, it's not, it's not sustainable. We've all had bad issues go on in our own lives. Mm -hmm. And we can't fix it. No. Some of them are by decisions that we make. Some of them are not. Um, Most often, 
Somebody else's decision is affected. Well, yes. That's true. That's true. Well, I meant by decision. Oh, yeah. But, like, I didn't, there was no decision for my wife to get cancer or have brain tumors or that. That, that wasn't part of what I figured out we could do. Well, I just wasn't the way I thought we were going to go. But God has purpose in all of that. And if I see that, I can get through it. If, if it's just for my strength building or her strength building, people fail with that. But if I see a bigger picture of a God who actually does care and have concern for his people, I got something to hold on to, something real. And I've seen him work in my life, so I know it's real. <clears throat> so what is the first commandment? We don't need to read these, Exodus and Deuteronomy. We all know where they're at. Um, but the first commandment is, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. We've all, we all know those scriptures. Um, well, I, wanted, I wanted to point out, too, before you go further, you yeah. may have talked about this because I haven't got to be here the last few times. Mm -hmm. but I think it's important the way the catechism is laid out before it jumps into the Ten Commandments, the moral law, yes, it's making this point, does this even matter? Is God really pleased with those who obey him? He is. Is he angry with those who disobey him? He yes. Is. So, in other words, you can't just look at the Ten Commandments like so many people want to do and say, well, that's just, that's the Old Testament. Right. I mean, this is why the Reformers preached this part, this yes. law in the yes. Gospel because it is a condemning fact but there's good news too. Like you said, I'm already in the first, we're right in the first one. You have, you shout another guy that's before me. Yep, we've already I'm failed. on that one. So. <laughs> right. But, so I have Christ. Right. To take that burden off of me. Right. But I still am commanded to love him. Yes. But then, like we just read in First John, the only reason I can do that is because he first loved me. So that, there, and therein lies where I think the fulfillment of the commandments are. In love. Yep. Absolutely. And, and and if you can get to a point where you recognize that giving of yourself for others is where God is at. That's where Christ, that's why Christ was here. He gave of himself. He left glory to give of to these worms, us. And if we if in my mind, if we kind of focus on the law itself. I think we can get bogged down real hard, but if we focus on the aspect of love as as it is portrayed in Scripture, we fulfill all of the law. That's what Jesus would say, even said. Yeah, he did say it. Yeah. But even that ability comes It's from, from him, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that's what John was first John is saying there. Yeah. We don't have that apart from him. Sure. I'm waiting for him to that's it. No, the way you said that, that's it. So, you said when we read it apart from love. Yeah. So, I, let me rephrase that. When we read it apart from God's working in us. Yes. Um, it's supposed to bog us down. That's the point. Okay, yeah, yes, yes. So, and, and, and in Scripture always did. Yes. No, no one got through it. So, and so, in that sense, it points us to Christ. Yes. Right? So, yes. As when, basically, when we look at it as a um, a law of life, right? We die. There's yes. no hope. We're done. Here. Yes. So when it, it points us to Christ, and then part of the benefits of being in Christ is now 
we are able to obey it yeah. as a law of obedience. Obedience, yes, in love, yes. yes. Yes, so we're not doing it. I'm not obeying this law for reward. No, no, no. I'm obeying this law because I already have it. Exactly, right. yes, yes. And I think the separation is it, is it First Corinthians thirteen, the love chapter, or the yeah, second chapter? Yeah, yeah you're right. You know, there's a separation there that we can do all of these things, but if it's not in love, it's just religious noise. And so, you know, I, I guess I'm trying to make sure we keep separate the doing, just to be doing, and doing. Because you care about someone, because you care about the outcome, because you care, because Christ has cared about you enough and given you enough that you can care about somebody else. Well, I think that's the the, the danger of the modern church is what we were saying earlier. The church tries to teach this stuff can be done. Yeah. And so they skip this part. That's the impossibility of right. it. Right. And I and again, I'm back to the reformers. This is why they would say you can't preach the gospel without preaching the law. Correct. Because this is what they would do. You've got to get people to the impossibility of the law. And I think that's what Christ was saying in John, uh, Matthew 11, where he said, All you who labor and are heavy laden, come, come to, to me, me. Mm-hmm. and I will give you rest. And, yes. and he was, it was in the context of the law, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. The heavy laden, I how do, do I it. keep this? Right. I'm how can my it. righteousness exceed right. that of the Pharisees? Right. It can't. Can but Jesus be. did. Yes. So he will lift that burden. And, and again, I think that's why. We want so much to be a church to, to preach the whole counsel of God so that people don't come here thinking, oh, well, the preacher said I can do this. And then they yeah. go try it all week and they and fail. fail. And they're like, well, I, I'm obviously not religious. I can't do right. that. Right. And that Christianity is not for me. And I hear people preaching that. Yeah, it's everywhere. I'm going to turn the TV on. Right? I'm hearing some people in the Reformed circles preaching yeah. that. <laughs> when that's the whole charismatic movement, you can yeah. do yeah. Yeah. You have this power. You're yeah. almost this, and some of them are that little God. You have the yeah. power to do it if right. you'll just do it. We have a lot of power in the sense of the Holy Spirit's within us. And as Jonathan said, now we have the freedom to obey this law. Right. But we still can't. But we we are under responsibility. The, to the do perfection it. of the law, but not to be saved, and in, in the obedience right. to the law was performed in Christ. We have been given the ability to. Validate that Christ did that in some of our activities. Not all. We, we're, we're not perfect and we won't be. But there are times in our life where we can give of ourselves to the point that it's painful even. Where I think in our past, it, 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 before Christ in our lives, we wouldn't have been able to do it. You can validate that God is with you. And, and to me, what that does is not so much shows everybody out there, but it 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 brings a deeper worship for me between me and God. It shows me more of who he is and I can worship him in a deeper way. I think sometimes we get so interested in portraying that picture out here, we forget that this is this is personal knowledge for me to worship God, to know who he is. I didn't mean to sidetrack you. No, no, that's fine. I mean, it goes right into where we're at. What does the first commandment teach us? Um, Isaiah 45 and verse 5 
So what is the first commandment? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Teach us. Isaiah 45, 5, and 6. I am the Lord, and there is no other. Beside me there is no God. I equip you, though you do not know me, that people may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. Now, the world at, at large would have you think there's bunch of different gods. and He'll just have you kind of any which way you want to come. It's not true. It doesn't happen that way. And if we don't have a truth that we belong to, we'll, we'll get skewed in that truth. We'll, we'll think there's a lot of different paths, but there is one God. Just one. Matthew 4. This is in the context of the temptation of Jesus. <clears throat> then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. I believe that's directly out of the Old Testament. <clears throat> Christ is quoting scripture there. Revelation 22. Revelation 22, verses 8 and 9. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. So John himself, even after all that he had been revealed, looked at an angel and thought, oh, this must be God. Or this must be something to worship. The, 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 the beauty, the light, I don't know what he saw. I'm not, I'm not sure. But um, it's, it's I, I think there's a subtle understanding there that the things of religion can, can get us wound up and we can begin to worship that and not God. Um, be careful that we don't lose sight of who God is, what he has done, and we don't start worshiping the things that God has given us or produced in us or shown us. <clears throat> so, and like you said, Jason, this there's a, a, a progress through these this catechism that brings us to 
I guess a brokenness as we see these that we can't do them. Um, of course, you know, I don't guess it matters how you tell the story if you don't have eyes to see and ears to hear. You just you, you tell the story. Doesn't matter. But it's uh, as I was looking at them and thinking about what they said and talking to these people that I talked with last week at work, and I'm thinking they they've got there's no all they have is something that's bigger than they are. There's no law in their life. There's no truth in their life. There's nothing for them to hang on to. And it just it showed itself in just a myriad of confusion. And it's really hard to watch. Well, that's where their world is. It subjective is. relativism. That yeah. Everybody has their own truth. And, and it's, it's sad to watch. So when somebody flies airplanes into a building, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, so, I've even said that. that they believe that. Yeah, that what makes them different? They, they believe that. Or they wouldn't have done it. I mean, you got to believe something, strap a bomb onto yourself and, and blow yourself up. you got to believe something. Well, there's a lot of buy-in at that point, right? Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of buy-in to whatever they believe. Sure. Benefit to them. Yeah. And maybe to the organization. Right. Um, and possibly to the other people that they're taking out because they could be the infidels. Correct. They destroy them. Correct. Um, so, yeah. It's kind of, we are twisted in our thinking so much that even within the church, in the service of the church, I know in my life, I was I like to do nice things and things for people. Mm -hmm. I, like, I like to do that. Mm -hmm. um, but um, when I also I was challenged by it going, but but your tendencies are that you're coming it sound like they were talking to me that you're being a martyr. Well there's no place in Christianity for you to be the martyr. Christ already Christ died. has done that. Mm -hmm. So I think we really have to, and it made me stop and think, am I really trying to be Christ to them? Or am I trying to, what am I trying to do? Mm -hmm. It made me really step back and Stop think, and think about it. You know, I, I don't need to, to be Christ. No, because Christ is Christ. Yes. But, and it's not my real job to really show Christ. No. In that way of self-sacrifice. Like that. But is there a sacrifice involved? Yes, and I think it came from what Jonathan just said. Because we love God, we obey. Right. We already have that reward of salvation. Yes. We already have that. Yes. So why do I do what I do? Why do I do it? So it goes back to that and then I love God. Right. Therefore, I do want to serve somebody. Money. And and all that wonderful benefits of loving God and, and being a part of His kingdom. Jonathan, you got nothing to say? Uh, she's she's talking about sacrifice. So I, I actually, I'm just going to read this. Mm -hmm. um, Romans 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, 
holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Mm-hmm. And then it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, who is good and acceptable and perfect. Right. That's the function of the law for us as believers. Yeah. That's the function of the law. And you have the comparison, so I'm not going to flip back and read it, but just in some, in Romans 1, you have the world described. Right. Uh, that they knew God, but they didn't, they didn't worship him worship. as God. Mm-hmm. And they instead worship things in the form of man or birds or animals or basically things that are powerless and die. Mm-hmm. Um, so as opposed to that, uh, we have God who has provided the sacrifice. We have mm-hmm. living God who has provided right. that sacrifice. And therefore we can be living sacrifices, um, holy and acceptable. And the living, the living, in fact, to me, that is, you know, you, you look at um, Christ sat down on the well and, and asked the woman to draw him up some water. Well, that took work. That took effort. Absolutely. So to give someone water in that point in time in history, that, there, was a, there was a work there, especially someone you didn't know. But we're living in a world where a cup of water is no big deal. You buy somebody a case of water, whatever. The sacrifices that we're called to are probably going to be a little bit larger than that because we're living in a world that looks at that differently. Um, that woman had to do something for someone else that took time away from her and her chores. We're going to be called to do things like that. And you were talking about worshiping the creation. Uh, I can probably point to everybody in here and say we all do that and I can show you how very simply because most of my wife and I have done a lot of driving but most people who've driven have had somebody pull out in front of them and cut them off and you don't normally come out with kind words there (laughs) but then again we will swerve to miss a squirrel or a possum or a deer or a dog when we cuss man yeah, we all do it, don't we? We're worshiping the creator, I mean the, the creation more than the, those that are created in God's image. That's, we do it, we all do it. We're that broken. So we need to keep in mind who God is, what he has done for us. That's why uh, Paul's appeal was by the mercies of God. By the mercies of God, <laughs> yes. Um, mm-hmm. But when you think about that concept of presenting your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, essentially what you're saying there is this law that we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. Now I'm guided by that. I don't. I, I'm essentially saying that I don't have the right to determine my own fate, my own destiny. But rather, uh, I am guided by this law, this law of God. I'm not a law to myself. That right, be right, I, right. I, I am uh, wholly given over. So every thought that I have and every word that comes out of my mouth and everything I do with my hands and wherever my feet take me should be uh, in accordance with this law. A lot of the times the way I see it in my mind is that when, when that is produced in my life, I know that it's God because it lines up with what Scripture says. That's how I look at it. That's what gives me the validation that this is God working in my life. I know I can't do it. And when it happens, 
it must be God that produces praise in my mind for for what He's done for me. Which I, you know, you know, I hear people say, "Oh, we'll give God the credit." You know, when it's when it's His, He'll take it. It's always His, and when He does something for you like that, and you see it, you, you didn't do it; He did. And there's the, the the sacrifices that God is using us in His plan. That that's there's such a blessing right there, no matter how He does it. So, right. Well, I saw, and I, and I don't want to prolong, but um, I, I accidentally read Genesis 20 earlier than Exodus 20. But when Abimelech was, because uh, I was reading, I was like, wow, that, I wasn't thinking about that. And right. then I realized I was in the wrong place. But um, <laughs> Abimelech didn't commit adultery with Abraham's wife because he thought it was his, I mean, his sister because he th- thought it was his wife. I, I don't remember the whole, I, I'm getting the story mixed up. But anyways, Abimelech came back and was like, I didn't do this. And God said to him, you didn't do it out of the integrity of your heart, but I caused you not to sin. Right. So that's back to, that, yeah. Yeah, that, back to that whole point. Yeah. Even when we don't do what is wrong, that's the glory that that's yeah. glory to God too. Yes. Not yes. just when we do right, but right. when we don't do wrong. Right. Well that he causes good to come out of it. Yeah. Always causes good to come out of it. And I always my when I look back at the, the Old Testament, the story that brings me the closest to that is, is um, um, being sold into slavery by your brothers. And, and just the words of what he said there. He went to prison for something he didn't do. But, you know, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. And I think there's the concept that we should take with everything that happens to us. No matter what it is, God has a good purpose for it. And that's how we should see things. So, anyway, all right. Any questions, comments? I'll close with prayer, then we'll mosey around. <coughs> Father, we just thank you for the glory and blessing of knowing who you are. We thank you that the, uh, the truths have been given to us, and that you yourself are our teacher and are bringing these truths into our hearts and writing them on our hearts so that we may know them. Father, without that, we have no hope. It's all because of Christ and his work and what he has done. Father, we just thank you for this. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen.